0: I thought about several things to do tonight. I have so many good stories to tell you. Things that the Lord did in His faithfulness during this whole ordeal. And I'm not the first one here at the prayer center to go through this. Number one, I want everybody to know the devil did not do this to me. I did this to me. Seventy-five years of cheeseburgers and ribeyes. Okay? And um, yet it is a distraction. Trust me when I say open-heart surgery is a distraction. And now it's to try and get you off target. But I'm here to tell you revival is now. Amen. Revival is now. We're not going to be distracted. Yeah. We're going to have everything that the Lord has said we're going to have. And uh, we're getting closer every day. Yeah. Uh, but I, I've got some great stories. You would laugh. I, I'll share them with you when I can. But the message for tonight is so important and so in me right at the forefront of my thinking that when we start, we're just going to go right into it like nothing happened. So, you all okay with that? Sure. Hallelujah. That little video we sent out, by the way, little nine-minute, because people were starting to call, and I'm sure partly it's because, you know, we lost Pastor Dave within the last year. And Eventually, where's Gary? Where's Gary? And then the questions became, did Gary die? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, okay, we better send out a little video, you know, and let them know I'm not dead. And uh, that thing has been viewed over 1,500 times. I'm, well, who who are they, who are these people? I <laughs> just amazing. All right, Father, we do thank you. Thank you for everything, Lord. You are so good to us, Father. You are so faithful. Your loving kindness never comes to an end. Your mercies are new every morning. Father, thank you for just being you. Since there is only one true and living God, we sure are glad it's you, the God who is love and who never gives up on us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, You can be turning to two places, really. 1 Corinthians 6.13 and put a marker in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 for now. Here at the prayer center, we have focused so much, and deservedly so, on mortification of the flesh, that, you know, when you work on it for years and years and years, and we know it's more than just our physical body, it has to do with all of the selfish ambition and pride and all of the things associated with the old man and the world. And uh, it is important that we focused on mortification of the flesh and that we Through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body. But um, this recent experience I've had (laughs) where I faced the possibility of leaving the planet brings some things into very sharp focus. And the, the title of tonight's message will be something like this, The Importance of Your Body because one of the things that came into very sharp focus for me was this when your body ends when your body ends your ministry ends now I didn't say your legacy if you've written books those may continue on like Paul's we're still feeding from his legacy today if you have tapes and MP3's and whatever is available like Kenneth Hagin and like Dave Roberson Dave is still my teacher today I still learn from Dave almost daily but your days of ministry in the sense of you carrying the physical presence of the Lord into any situation those days are over and I understood real quickly how you can have prophecies that are absolutely from the Lord but through my own stupidity or rebellion or dragging of feet or disobedience of how I fed my body I'll say it another way through my being such a bad steward of this body he gave me it became real clear to me how prophecy could go unfulfilled, that was absolutely the will of the Lord. But it was my disobedience, my rebellion, that cut it short. So, during this recovery time, he's been giving me some verses that are very familiar to me, and they will be to you too, but he's showing them to me in a light I've just never seen them before. So let's go first to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 13. Now, in this passage, in the context, Paul is actually instructing the little baby Corinthian church, he's instructing them against um, fornication and against fleshly excess, like uh, gluttony, uh, that type of thing. So, verse 13, in the King James, it says, Meats for the belly, and the belly for meats. The better translation today would be food. It's not just talking about... Meat. I'm talking about food. Obviously, food is for the belly. God understands that. How I many? You know, we need food. Okay, and the belly is designed to process food. Okay, but see, God shall destroy both it and them. The day is going to come when your body. You know, if you if you die before the Lord returns. Uh, this body's going to become dust again, and the belly that you have now is going to be gone. So, you, if you live your life based on, say, so how did you live your life? My taste buds were my god. I wanted to taste everything. That's what I lived for. I wanted to taste all the fine foods and all the fine wines, and that's what I lived for. Well, that's not going to leave a very good legacy, is it? And the day is going to come when that's going to come to an end. So he's just telling them, hey, God understands you need food. He understands. I, how many like food that tastes good? I like food that tastes good, you know. I don't think God has a problem, but we can't live for food. Same thing with fornication. Now, this whole passage, if you read it, is he's talking mainly about fornication, which was a very common sin in the Corinthian church. So now he says, now the body is not for fornication but notice but for the Lord and notice this and the Lord for the body now in my I I, I call it my hotel room instead of my hospital room <laughs> they were so good to me there they really were meditating by myself mostly uh, you know they come in once in a while but mostly you're there by just you and the Lord wasn't reading much just praying you know the Lord quoted this verse to me in a way it's all the words are there but it just put an emphasis on it that I had never really seen before the way it's worded it says now the body is not for fornication but for the Lord and the Lord for the body here's how I kept hearing it now the body is for the Lord and the Lord for the body say it with me now the body is for the Lord and the Lord and the Lord for the body, and the Lord for the body. Well, I just kept hearing that, and I knew He's trying to get something across to me that I, I hadn't really understood before. So let's leave that for a moment. We may come back, may not. Now go over to Second Corinthians chapter four, and verse seven. And I'm really going to have to teach in macro mode. There's a point that He wants to make tonight. See, I'm here, don't don't do that, <laughs> because if I open my bot, we'll never make it. I have to deliver this image in wholeness or it's going to be useless. Okay, so the other verse, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7, he's actually talking about the gospel. If you read the chapter ahead of it and what's going on, he's talking about all of the troubles where we've been distressed and perplexed on every side but not destroyed and all of the things that they've gone through to deliver the gospel everywhere that they've gone so at at its core he's talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ he said you know this is the passage where it says if our gospel be hid it's hid from those that are lost through the God of this world has blinded their minds and so forth that's the passage but this verse verse 7 says we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Now at its core, he's talking about the gospel. Because right before this, he says, God has commanded the light to shine out of darkness. So that we could understand the gospel, the truth that shines in the face of Jesus Christ. He's talking about the gospel message. But it's more than that. Because if you go a few verses later, he says now, We are delivered all the way to death. Why? That the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal body that's more than a message the life of Jesus and I like how it's worded it doesn't even say the life of Christ because you might confuse that with the new nature the life of Jesus the man the glorified man he who is your Lord he who is boss he who if you if we surrender he who has your life in his hand his life See, and Paul got there. He says from, uh, to the Philippians, he said, For to me, as far as I'm concerned, for me to live is Christ. What a statement. How many things... I don't think Paul lied. I don't think Paul exaggerated. I think he actually got there. Where he could say, Listen, if somehow Jesus could... If somehow I could step out of this body and Jesus was to step into it and you watched Him today... You wouldn't see anything different than if you watch me today. I've come to the place where for me to live is Christ. Yet, it didn't totally do away with Paul. In Galatians 2.20, Paul's still there. He says, I, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and so forth. It's it's a mingling To a depth we haven't really understood yet but we will, we're on that path okay, but now for tonight's me- message, and I'm only going to be able to introduce this look at the, verse 7 again we have this treasure, now for tonight's lesson, let's go beyond the gospel, let's talk about Christ in you see that is the ultimate mystery of the gospel, right? Christ in you your hope of glory I mean, he knows the earthen vessel is easy to understand. He's talking about the clay jar. He's talking about our bodies that are made primarily of the minerals and of the earth. That's the earthen vessel, right? All right? But in this earthen vessel, this clay pot that's easily broken, easily destroyed, I have a treasure. What is that treasure? It's Christ in me. And I mean the living Christ. Whew. See, I know what's coming. <laughs> I don't go there, but you know the story of the sower sows the word in Mark chapter 4. And I'm just now finding out in a new way that I've always ended that story too soon. You know, David always teaches, ask the Holy Spirit to show you the beginning of a subject and the ending of a subject. Well, I always finish that story at, at the end of Mark chapter 4. But I'm just telling you now, it doesn't end to Mark chapter 5 and verse 20. If you want to meditate it in a little larger image than you have before, start meditating it all of Mark chapter 4 and in Mark 5 through verse 20. Because it's all one thing. i tell you for sure. Now, you know, I'm not going to try and teach the so or so is the word. Every person in the sound of my voice, including you listening, have heard so many messages on the so or so is the word, you could teach it about as good as I can. And there's many levels of that. When you first start off, Sue and I didn't know anything about nothing. And uh, we had to learn about the sower, sows the word. And so if we needed healing, we would sow healing scriptures. We would say them, confess them, live them until we'd have a manifestation of healing in our body. If we needed a a car or I remember a van one time, we sowed the word. We needed a, a vehicle really bad. And sure enough... See, and that's a pretty elementary level, but it's valid. It's still valid today. You can, we did the same thing with our children when they were in rebellion. Well, we needed the power of the Word to rescue our children, so we sowed the Word. And that's still all true. But there's a maturity level where we're coming now into revival. That uh, I'm just going to go into it. So at the end, on the same day, it's so important that this happened on the same day. And again, I'm not allowed to open my Bible, which I really want to, really, really bad. (laughs) But it says on the same day, same day that he taught. That's so important because what we're about to see is a complete illustration of Mark chapter 4. But it's also a complete illustration of we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Now, how would the Lord illustrate that before the new birth is available. You know, he even said about the Holy Spirit, he told the disciples, he said, the Holy Spirit's with you, but he shall be in you. Well, Christ knows the day's coming that he's going to be in them too. But how do you illustrate Christ in you, Christ in your mortal body, Christ in your earthen vessel, how do you illustrate that before the new birth is available? Well, now I understand what, what happens at the end of Mark 4 and the beginning of chapter 5 Is probably the best that the Holy Spirit could do at the time To illustrate Christ in us Christ We have this treasure Christ In our earthen vessel First off, he sows the word He tells the disciples Let us cross over to the other side He sows the word He tells them Now notice, he doesn't tell them why He doesn't tell them what's going to happen He doesn't tell them how long it's going to take to get there See, all you need Is Enough information to take the next step. Sue and I have found that to be the case. Sometimes he tells you more. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he tells you why. Most times he doesn't. <laughs> the sower sows the word. Let us cross over to the other side. They don't even know why. Okay? So they set about to do it. And notice now, in the illustration we have, you have the disciples. They have a boat. And they have Christ in the boat. Can you allow me to say they had Christ in a wooden vessel? (laughs) It's an illustration. It's a type and a shadow of what's coming with us. Eventually, we're the vessel. See, now we have Christ in these earthen vessels. But how do you illustrate that before the new birth is available? They have Christ in this wooden vessel. It's fragile. It can be sunk. It can be broken. And they're in it too. It's a pretty good illustration. I see it so clear now. Let us cross over to the other side. And guess what happens? Soon as they obey, soon as they receive the word with gladness, yes, Lord, here we go. And they set out to the other side. Satan comes immediately. You know what happens? A big storm comes. And why does the care... Would you call that a care of this world? And the purpose of distraction is distraction. (laughs) Notice... It gets so bad. And, and these are experienced fishermen. They have lived their whole life fishing on that same sea. This one is so bad. They think, no matter what we do, we're, this is it. We're going down. That's it. And they notice the distraction. It takes the focus off of the mission. Now, what's the mission? Let's go to the other side. When they approach Jesus, who, by the way, is asleep... He is not disturbed at all. He is not worried at all. He is at perfect peace because he knows nothing the devil can do, can overcome the, the word of God. The word of God has been spoken. Let us go to the other side. They could have taken authority over that storm in his name. That's why he rebuked them for having no faith. He's not worried. But notice when they wake him up, they don't say, here's what they don't say. We're having trouble getting to the other side that has totally left their thinking they are not focusing on the mission anymore what are they focusing on? don't you care that we're about to die <laughs> everything has come to me now It's oh my god this, this, the pressure the cares of this world it's exactly what Jesus told them was, was, would, would happen and the purpose of it is working they're not even thinking about the mission anymore I know you told us to go to the other side but we're about to die here well, that's what distractions are for. It's a pretty good illustration, isn't it? So Jesus, and I'm really in macro mode. Jesus, this is one of the rare times. You know, a lot of times he says, "How come your faith is so little?" This time he says, "How come you have no faith?" These guys have worked and toiled and sweated and bailed and cursed, probably. <laughs> They're fishermen. Come on, done everything they know to do. I mean, they're bedraggled and sweating, and 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 after all that, you know, you you expect a little Attaboy, you know? How come you have no faith? Because really, the whole issue is not about whether you're going to die. The issue is getting to the other side, which they have totally abandoned, and that's why they have no faith. good to pray in your hotel room at, at the hospital so the Lord rebukes them for having no faith he, he speaks to the storm and they get to the other side can you say with me from the disciples point of view once that boat touches the, touches the shore mission accomplished isn't that what he told them let us go to the other side now why now we're going to find out why Why was it the mind of the Lord To go to the other side And this is what you find in Mark chapter 5 The madman of Gadara Coming out of the tombs This man Cut himself with stones They couldn't hold him with chains Not ropes Chains they couldn't hold him They would even put fetters I had to look up what fetters is That's ankle bracelets They couldn't hold him with those either He would break them He'd run naked and, and cry all night long and cry out, this man is beyond your tw- any 12-step program you have. This man is beyond any reasoning. He is beyond your counseling. Jesus didn't even try to talk to this man. Jesus talks directly to the devils in this man. And when I was starting to understand why we came to the other side, Jesus left the safety of the 99 to go after this one that was beyond all help. Now we're going to go to the other side. There's one over there that's crying out to God and he can't help himself. And part of my mission is to set at liberty the captives. I've come to set the captives free. And boy, those devils recognized Jesus and they start approaching and begging for mercy and I mean, he casts them out anyway into the pigs. And you know the end of the story. That man was set there clothed and in his right mind. And what the Lord's showing me, you better buckle up, buttercup. Because he's getting ready to send you. I said you. Into cases where they're way beyond your counseling. They're way beyond your 12-step program or whatever it is. And I'm not saying those are bad. But he's going to send us to... These are captives that cannot get free without the delivering power of the treasure in our earthen vessel. And then at the end of it, that man, of course, wanted to follow Jesus. I would too. See, there's only one Lord, and that's Jesus. Jesus. He said, no, I need you to go all through this region. It was Decapolis. It's ten cities. I need you to go through all this region. Because he was famous. Everybody knew this guy. I want you to go through this reason, region telling what great things the Lord has done for you. And I heard this. I heard the Holy Spirit say, it was similar to, similar, to, to the, similar to the mission of John the Baptist to come and tell. Of the Christ. That was his mission to that region. And later on great things happened there also. And then they would also come to his meetings. Now. The sower sows the word. I never. That's a far different level. Of the sower sows the word. Than believing God for a little van. You know believing like we did in the early days. Just to make it pay the electric bill. (laughs) You know. Thank God you got to start somewhere. But I see now if he's opening up these kind of understandings, we're about to come in now. Hans is about to go to Africa. Lots of people have gone to Africa, lots of great ministers, lots of books, lots of messages. Lots of good. I don't want to disparage. But see, what's what's going to happen now as we come into this revival, Hans and his family, I don't mean just Hans, these these are earthen vessels that have a treasure. And it's no less than the very same Christ who set the madman of Gadara free. But he has to have, I'm just going to use Hans and not the family. He has to have Hans' body. See, when, when Hans' body goes into, when it takes a dirt nap, <laughs> when it dies, the Lord's ability to use Hans that way on planet Earth is over. And that's what he was showing me about the importance of our bodies. I never really understood it before. All of a sudden, all those instructions he's given me over the years about fasting that I disobeyed. Is that clear enough? For the most part, I disobeyed them. I obeyed 5-10%. For the most part, he was trying to save my life. I probably wouldn't have had to go through what I went through. But if I don't change now and become a steward, take the attitude of, Lord... Yes, sir. That brings us to Ephesians 5. If I don't change and listen to him now and take the attitude of a steward, this body... See, from here on, this body does not belong to me. In the same way that Sue and I consider ourselves stewards of his finances in the same way that we understand our children belong to Him, and we steward for them, same with our grandchildren, for Him, same with our grandchildren. For me now, I'm coming into an understanding, this body belongs to Him. When He says, go to the other side, we go to the other side. If he looks at my body and says, Gary, you need to fast for 20 days or 10 days or 5, whatever it is, then I need to do that. If he says, push away from the cheeseburgers and order the turkey burgers, God help us. Anyway. <laughs> or worse, just have a salad. Anyway. I need to be so thankful for that salad. Thank you Lord This body belongs to you now I'm just the steward now I want to be the vessel Like the wooden boat But I It's like we're not It's an earthen vessel That we have You're the treasure On the inside Lord My job Is to get you Wherever you need to go And in order for that to happen You need this body Yes sir one last thought on this it might be a short lesson tonight but it, are you getting anything out of this yes. see if we went back to and I'm, I haven't forgot Ephesians but if we went back to uh, 2 Corinthians 4 where he talks about having the treasure in earthen vessels right after that he talks about being delivered all the way to death that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal body it's obvious to me reading the story of Mark 4 now the disciples at that moment were not yet delivered all the way to death because their physical life took priority over the mission. Carest thou not that we perish? That's not being delivered all the way to death, is it? Jesus wasn't worried. I'm sure there's more understanding on that than I have right now. But see, we've got to come to the place. Paul says, whether... For me, to depart and be with Christ is far better. But, it's more needful for you that I stay. (laughs) Now that's the attitude to have. That's maturity and that's where we're going. Now see, Ephesians chapter 5, we started off, the body is for the, say it with me again, the body is for the Lord. And the, the and the Lord is for the body. See, we, we focused again so much on mortification of the flesh. I think I'd almost slipped over to an attitude of like, Well, oh, the Lord hates my body. I mean, it's like it's an evil thing. And and it's not. The body is very important to the Lord. But what's important is that we mortify the deeds, the evil deeds of the body, so that we can do Romans twelve one which is present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. Well, that's exactly what you do when you yield to Him and allow the you, you take the treasure wherever the treasure needs to go, wherever He instructs you. So another witness on this is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 29 through 32. And even Paul said this is a great mystery. He's trying to make an analogy between the marriage between a man and a woman and Christ and His bride, the church. So verse 29, For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. I want you to pause for a moment and think that the Lord, if your flesh is His flesh, He nourishes it. He actually cherishes it. Even as the Lord the church. He just said the same thing. Even as the Lord the church. For we are members of, Of his body. And he gets very specific. Of his flesh. Of his bones. I'm telling you right now. God cares about Gary's body. And I'm seeing it in a way I've never seen it before. He cares about my flesh. He cares about my bones. Why? Because they're his. He nourishes it. He cherishes it. Verse 31, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife. And see, the Lord is wanting to join himself to us in a way that we've not really understood before. We're already joined in spirit. He that's joined to the Lord is one spirit. But he's wanting to join with our body. He is the treasure in our earthen vessel. And they too, us and the Lord, shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. So say this with me. The Lord doesn't hate his own flesh. flesh. He nourishes his own flesh. He He cherishes his own flesh. flesh. I am members of his body. body. My My body is his flesh. My bones are his bones. I am joined to the Lord. I am joined to the Lord. The Lord and I, the Lord and I are one flesh. Are one flesh. And he cares about my body. And he cares about my body. The body is for the Lord. The body is for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. And the Lord is for the body. Oh, Lord, okay. Hallelujah. See, I know this revival that he's bringing us into is going to be a he has said many times it's a presence revival. For many years, when I read that verse about having the treasure in earth and vessels, in my mind it was just the knowledge of the gospel. And that is a big part of it, that we do have the knowledge of the gospel. But now I'm understanding no, it's much more than that. It is the literal presence of the Lord Himself. And we are the vessels. That transport that presence wherever we go, that ends if your body goes back to the dirt, so in a new way for me, Sue's having to learn how to cook again uh, we're both learning how to uh, light, you know when you have a pattern of life for seventy five years, it takes a little while to change it, but bless God, we're changing it because I plan on being around a long while. Pastor Bronk, he's forbidding anybody in his church to die before age 120. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, it says 120, so let's go for it. You know, hallelujah. He says they're not even considered starting to get senior until you're 100. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, there's much more to come on this, but that's a good start, isn't it? That's a good start.